We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Tuesday, November 2nd edition of the Word of War NFL podcast brought to you by WinBet. I'm Joe Bartle here alongside me, as always, Jake Letarski. We're going through what is going to be a pivotal time uh, today. We are hours before the NFL trade deadline. We have a number of critical pickups for people who might be missing Derrick Henry, Calvin Ridley, a couple other big names as well, too. And honestly, there might be injury news and updates as we continue on throughout the day because it, it was mm-hmm. a heavy week eight in terms of fantasy stuff. So, Jake. Yeah. We are going to have all eyes on us today. Yeah, absolutely. The NFL tends to have the weakest trade deadline in all of sports. So a lot of times it comes and goes without, you know, without you barely noticing it's there. But obviously with the Derrick Henry news this week, uh, you never know if the Titans are going to go out and try to make a move. There'll be a lot of moves. I mean, there are not a lot of fantasy relevant guys that could really be on the move. Brandon Cooks is one that comes to mind, but it seems like they're not really going to trade him. Allen Robinson we talked about last week. Yeah, Allen Robinson, Odell Beckham. All these guys seem to get mentioned or talked about in a lot of years. But uh, those are, you know, outside of maybe another running back changing a backfield scenario, there's not a whole lot uh, that could happen with this trade deadline. Now, granted, I say that, and while the show happens, we're going to get all the trades because right. that's how it always seems to work. But uh, but we'll see how that goes this this year. Sometimes well, it's quiet. Most years it's quiet. I, I remember maybe one, but, um, you know, when, like, I think it was Cooks and Golden Tate and all these other people were moving. But yes. um, usually, usually fantasy football has a quiet trade deadline. So we'll focus a little on the Monday night game and then try and get you into uh, some waivers for this week. Yeah, I mean, the Rams kicked things off yesterday by trading for Von Miller. Uh, I was thinking a little bit more as a Packers fan how upset I am that Goody didn't make the move for Stephon Gilmore because the Rams more or less paid draft compensation to have the Broncos take on that salary. I wonder if there might be more trades like that as teams kind of solidify themselves as contenders, pretenders. Mm-hmm. But we'll find out, and uh, if there's any action throughout the podcast, we will try to keep you up to date as best as possible. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. If you're tuning in, you know, drop something in the comments. You know, it's naive to think we actually have producers at this big fancy operation here. There's no producer in our ear. These are all all made by us. And, uh, you know, our our one take published. So we could use a hand from our audience slash producers out there uh, if you catch a trade before we happen to. 
Yeah, the one that's occurred this morning was Melvin Ingram being moved from the Steelers to the Chiefs for a sixth-round pick. That doesn't really move much of the fantasy needle, but if there does end up being a significant uh, offensive player moved, we will certainly have you covered during the podcast. Let's move to our attention to the Monday night game, which saw those Chiefs who just acquired Melvin Ingram uh, mm-hmm. get a win 2017. Of course, I needed Patrick Mahomes to get me 23 points, so he got me 20 points. Got a loss there. Mm-hmm. However, I did sneak out a .4 win because Graham Gano did not get a chance to kick that final field goal, possibly tie the game for the Giants. Thank you, mm-hmm. Dan- Daniel Jones and company, for stinking as an offense uh, yet again. Thank you, Giants. There was some reasons for that, though, however. We had uh, Sterling Shepard, who torpedoed my stake lead chances of really making a comeback, get injured midway through. We had Kadarius Tony have his hand stepped on, and then he never came back into the game. Uh, Saquon Barkley didn't play. Kenny Galladay didn't play. Tony he came was... back into the game, I think. He was out oh, there did he? on the okay. last drive. Yeah, he All was right, out. Fine. See, he, he changed his story. It was a little weird. At first, his, you know, there was an ankle thing, and then his hand got stepped on. I, I think he just had probably had to go number two in all honesty. But uh, Oh, Lamar Jackson. I, yes, you know, one of those. That's, you know, what – that's what I would think, but um, I don't know. We'll see on the injury report this week because the Giants, Sterling Shepard, you know, hurt his – it was his quad or his hamstring, something bad. It looked – It looked. yeah, it was a non-contact injury. It did not look good. Mm-hmm. I agree with yeah. you. He was down for a while. Now, the weird thing about the Giants' offense, I guess we'll segue, we'll talk about them first, is, uh, you know, before the Tony injury, they game-planned for him so hard on that first drive, and they gave him so much action. I think this week it was a case of him – you know, him missing practice or being limited in practice. And they didn't know necessarily if uh, if they they would even have him for the game. So he wasn't part of the game plan. He was the motion guy on jet sweeps a lot, you know, and uh, and of course he threw a pass. So I guess, I guess that's in the playbook. But, you know, after even after Shepard went down, there wasn't, uh, you know, he didn't necessarily see any more actions. Uh, and also uh, Pettis went down real early in the game. Um, with with a punt, re- I think he was on a kick or a punt return or something like that. But uh, yeah, with Galladay out, Shepard down. I mean, it was uh, you know Darius Slayton got some work. Colin Johnson was in there. John Ross got a lot of looks. He, I mean, even in the two wide, you almost needed a three wide receiver set for Tony to be relevant in this game at least. But I, I'm gonna you know write that off as game planning and him missing practice. And if you give him a full practice, especially with this banged up receiving core. Um, I mean, by no means, I'm, I'm still on the Tony hype train and I'm, I'm not going to uh, cut bait yet. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been contending. We've done this on Sirius XM now the last two weeks that the giants for as much injuries as they've had at wide receiver actually have a lot of depth there. I think Colin Johnson can be a, a starting caliber wide receiver, at least on some teams. I'd look at the Packers, Real right? life, maybe not fantasy, but you know, you, yeah, you're right. And then, you know, John Ross certainly has a speed threat and will be a cheaper, I think would be a cheaper asset than Deshaun Jackson. Th- those are there are those types of players that are available on the on the trade market right now in the NFL, and I think the Giants, where they're at right now, with that loss more or less cementing their status as uh, not playoff relevant this season, could be a team that makes a move, but we'll have to kind of see. I, I was impressed and also confused that Frank Gore was still in the NFL, uh, the Chiefs running back, and then I find out, oh, it's actually Derek Gore that's uh, come off practice squad actually looked pretty good. I was surprised with the ability that he was making, especially on those cuts. And he ran hard, uh, but it was still Daryl Williams. That was the PPR and three down workload guy. He got a few carries, certainly got a lot of targets. I think that role is especially important right now with Patrick Mahomes struggling to throw it deep. I mean, he's had to be the check down guy and it hasn't been Travis Kelsey, which feels weird to me. It really has been Daryl Williams who stepped up in a, a PPR capacity as a running back one. 
Yeah, there's a lot going on with the Chiefs. First off, they don't look good yet. They got the win, yeah. but this was not pretty. And, you know, this is against a team that they would normally, and they should, be blowing out of the water. By the way, the Giants aren't a playoff team, two and six. The Cowboys are taking that division. That's what I said. They've, they've already yeah. fallen out of the playoffs. Yeah, you know, yeah, they're, they're, they're toast. So, um, but anyway, no, the Chiefs offense is interesting to me. I did a show last week where one of the questions that I was sent beforehand was, you know, the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, is the game passing them by? And I laughed at that. I was like, come on, are you kidding me? You know, they, you know, they're down weak. And then I sit down and I watch this entire game from front to back. And there are definitely a few questionable things that are happening here. Number one is I think Mahomes is feeling some of the heat and he's trying to do a little bit too much. That was perfectly evident on the very first drive of the game when he was, you know, in and out, dipping out of pressure and then threw a, you know, threw a ball that, you know, just got, got tipped up and picked off, you know, when they were in the red zone. And I think at that point, uh, Louis Riddick came on the telecast and said 24% of their drives have ended in turnovers. I think Mahomes is starting to feel that heat a little bit. And the other thing that astounded me to some degree was, uh, you know, the Giants were giving them so much cushion. They were daring them to run the football and they just they wouldn't run the football. And, you know, Mahomes is looking at those middle and deep routes. And, uh, you know, granted, he could have got a little help from his receivers, you know, Kelsey wasn't as sure-handed as we're used to especially with that bump with that fumble he mm-hmm. didn't make a big play you know on one of the last drives um and they just don't want to run the ball which is interesting I mean Daryl Williams had a fine fantasy day helped out by six catches uh you know everyone thought Derek Gore who you know everyone on the telecast and everything is Frank Frank Gore's son grandson nope you are not related <laughs> not related at all had to make sure to look that up beforehand but he, there was one Derek Gore drive uh, we can talk about Derek Gore now because I did not include him in our waiver wire pickups for a couple of reasons. One, because there's basically one Derek Gore drive where they rode him. He was successful. It was good. But when the game was on the line and, you know, all the chips were in, it was Daryl Williams out there in the fourth quarter. And, you know, Daryl Williams actually was good as a pass catcher, too. And the other reason, you know, I'm not really interested at all in uh, in going after Derek Gore is because I believe we have Clyde right. Lair mm-hmm. being us. Now, Listen, Edward Zolaire wasn't having the greatest of fantasy seasons. He wasn't He wasn't even good. I mean, he wasn't graded well by pro football focus. He wasn't elusive or breaking tackles, and he wasn't getting volume. So he's not necessarily a savior for anyone's season, but he is eligible to uh, come back. Week 9 is his earliest possible return date, and guess where we're at? We're at week 9 here. So, um, you know, with Daryl Williams, McKinnon was a non-factor. Gore was a wild card. I think I saw a tweet that said he was 0.28% owned in the, wow. in the Millie Maker <laughs> showdown. So uh, we should probably investigate those people that stuck him in lineups. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, he, it, it was nice to see him on that one drive. But, uh, you know, I'm not necessarily getting too excited about him and, and I'm rushing to pick him up off the waiver wire. There are a handful of running backs we'll get to a little later in the show who seem to uh, have better prospects. Moving I forward. think you you mentioned exactly why I'm not interested in Gore is that Edward Solaire is theoretically able to come off of injured reserve this week against the Packers. Whether or not he does remains to be seen. I think that that's kind of an early timeline. We haven't actually heard about him practicing yet, although we probably will this week. Mm-hmm. Guys like George Kittle, who are also eligible to turn off an injury reserve, have been practicing. There's a few of those injury reserve dudes. So no information would indicate to me maybe if Edward Solaire is able to play, he won't be at full capacity. In either scenario, that doesn't make me want to go ahead and pick up Gore in a one in a one week type of deal, especially when there are some other names, whether they are going to be effective or not, we'll get to in a little bit. That will be out there. So I I agree, you know, 11 carries, 40 yards, and a touchdown, and he looked good in that one drive. Fine. I don't know how deep of a format I would need to have to pick him up, though. And that and that's the important 
context I think needs to be provided for this. So anything else from an offense perspective for the Giants or Chiefs that we need to mention for the, you know, I think the Giants receivers again without banged they are, but I, I don't know. We, we need to have more information later in the week um, and they mm-hmm. have their buy, which is going to impact things a little bit too. Yeah. I mean, not a whole lot else on this game. Your weekly Josh Gordon update, one target, zero catches, nothing to see there. Um, I, I, Kelsey, the whole tight end landscape is weird. I think I don't have the exact stat in front of me, but I think only three of the top 10 scoring tight ends were like 20% rostered or more in, in Yahoo leagues this week, uh, which is which is just crazy. You know, you're, you're getting production from where you least expect it, and you're not getting production. I mean, granted, it was tight end bye week with Waller and, and, and uh, Andrews. Andrews both yeah. gone, but, you know, Kittle's still on IR and, uh, you know, Kelsey underperforming like this. This was... It almost makes me wonder if there's some kind of injury going on with Kelsey, or if it's a if it's one of those father time is undefeated things. But he definitely didn't look himself last night. Yeah, I I had mentioned the Giants are on by next week. That's incorrect. They're on by week ten. Mm-hmm. I was confused because Barkley's trying to play against the Raiders this week, despite mm-hmm. there being a bye next. It's a weird scenario. Yeah. You mentioned that we got Kelsey Lions, can... Seahawks, Bucks, and the Washington Football Team on by this week. Yeah, I mean some some pretty critical guys like DeAndre mm-hmm. Swift, uh, Alex Collins might have been a starter for many people. Certainly, were were on Chris Carson watch mm-hmm. and Russell Wilson watch next week, of yeah. course, against the Packers. I mean, the, whole, the whole Tampa Bay team, pretty exactly. Much. And scary Terry, too, you know, scary Terry, who is anything but scary on uh, Halloween. Weekend. Yeah, he did, he did not uh, live up to his name tag. A lot of big names. And hopefully, uh, while we listen to the rest of this podcast, we get through the rest of the podcast, we can get a few of these guys, uh, some possible replacements for you out there listening. So let's uh, get a word from our sponsors here. Win bet first before we get into the quarterbacks and the rest of the waiver wire show. If there's one thing we appreciate here at Rotowire, it's making good decisions and even more so making the right decision. Listen up, folks. I have an incredible offer for you with Rotowire's newest partner, WinBet, the premier digital casino and sportsbook app. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for Rotowire's fantasy podcast. WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user-friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, over-unders, Ron Robbins, live betting, and so much more right at your fingertips. If you want a break from sports betting, head to WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette, double down blackjack, slantless odds, or Try a Hanna Baccarat. WinBet is currently available in six states, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. While rapidly expanding at WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. WinBet is currently offering all RotoWire listeners a risk-free bet up to $500 on your first wager. Download WinBet now. That's W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. WinBet, the exclusive partner for ours fantasy podcast. Okay, quarterbacks, obviously... We had a guy that I don't think anyone could have ever mentioned in uh, in white who emerged, torpedoed my Bengals uh, survivor team as did oh, many no. other people too. Oh yeah, exactly. Uh, mm. And he won that the, New Jersey guy 125k though. That was good, did you, good for did you him. See that? I did not see that. No, it was a, it was a, he bet a one thousand. He bet one thousand dollars on Mike White to lead the lead to, to lead week eight in passing at 125 to one. Do you ever and, wish you just had a thousand dollars to bet on absolutely random crap that should never hit? Yeah, I, I I don't know. I mean, that's the kind of thing that I throw like you know five bucks. Down right, on. exactly. Not a thousand, like that's about it, but I, the fact know. that he throws a thousand down, that's his version of five dollars, which is just annoying to me. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, that, that's crazy. But I mean, geez, get get a nice six figure payday out of that. That's yeah, it's a, a beautiful thing. Second ever Jets quarterback to throw for four hundred yards. <laughs> You know, that's another one. She's like, wow, crazy stat given their history. Yeah. Mike White, obviously insane. Shockingly was not mentioned in our uh, pickups, at least. I mean, like we talked about a two QB perspective a little bit, uh, but I never would have guessed. Oh, I, I, I mean, they signed Flacco, too. So it was like, OK, this Mike White guy that nobody's ever heard of, or are they going to just go ahead and get Flacco out there right away? Probably not enough time, but now Flacco's irrelevant. And, and I think Zach Wilson will be back at practice. I mean, 
Well, Salah was non-committal. He was just like, oh, we'll see how practice goes, you know? Yeah, I don't After think Wilson, like the Wilson's not playing this week. They have targeted week 10 against the Bills as the possible return date for Wilson. Mm-hmm. And do you think Flacco can learn a full offense in a week? I don't know. It's tough. I, given how good Mike White looked, yeah, I almost wonder if they go ahead and put him out there again this week. And but is, uh, he, is he elite, though? <laughs> well, I don't know. Yeah, it's, no, it's really kidding. Yeah, maybe one more week of Mike White at best, but uh, you know this—it's—it's it's not a long-term thing. You know, it's not like Minshew mania or anything like that. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I, I almost—it almost feels more like Jeremy Lin kind of ask if we're going to do some cross-sport comparisons, where just how go. out of out of nowhere Mike White ended up being in that game. You're right. I, I don't know if he's the top pickup this at, quarter, at quarterback this week. I actually think Taysom Hill is going to be one of the top mm-hmm. overall pickups, not just at quarterback. With Jameis Winston now done for the season, Trevor Simeon filled in last week. Uh, against in that mm-hmm. Buccaneers win with Hill on concussion protocol. I think it was two straight weeks now he's missed. Yeah. I, I would imagine there's going to be more of a urgency uh, to get Hill off the concussion protocol when he more than likely profiles as the top starting quarterback. However, when Hill was the starter last season, the Saints didn't really have a Trevor Simeon-esque backup there. So I think it's possible that Hill just gets utilized more in the same role, just more often on the field. What's your take on this overall, though? I don't know. It could be a two-quarter system. Now, looking looking at Hill here, the Saints had a week six by, and then he's missed back-to-back games. So hopefully that's enough time to get him through concussion protocol. I don't know what his personal history is. So, uh, so that'll be interesting. But, I mean, could they run a two-quarterback system here? I mean, you, you got to think if you got to drive, you know, the length of the field, if you're if you're in the classic Phil Rivers situation, for example, you know down seven with the length of the field, um, yeah, I know you know. Um, <laughs> I don't laugh at that, but yes. I mean, do you need your do you need your running gimmicky option quarterback in there, or do you put Simeon in there and hope for the best? I don't know. I think it could be a two cute quarterback system here, which is what. Listen, and I don't know that for sure. That's me speculating, but that's what kind of backs me off of this hype. If I'm looking for anyone to pick up this week, I think I would argue that the top you you go to the screamers and not necessarily the two quarterback guys and Tua is only 35% rostered on, on Yahoo and he gets a home matchup against the Texans here. So I think that has to be your number one pickup this week. And then we can kind of get through this grab bag of, uh, of talent here. If you wanted to put Taysom Hill number two, sure. I could live with that. There's a little upside there, but uh, definitely not number one. Interesting that you put two there. I, I would sooner lean to Taysom Hill because I'm assuming he's going to be the starter and he's got a matchup against the Falcons who he decimated in his two starts last season. Like that, that adds a little bit of context. To me doesn't have mm-hmm. Mike Thomas. We didn't have Mike Thomas last year either, at least for one of those contests mm-hmm. too. Should have Mike Thomas soon. Hopefully. soon. Who, I mean like, yeah, who really knows? we don't really know what Mike Thomas's status is going to be. I just think that Taysom mm-hmm. Hill actually might be a better play. That's not to say that two is a bad play. Though. I, I want to reinforce that the, the mm-hmm. return of Devonte Parker Seemed to be a big deal for that offense, which mm-hmm. did marginally better against the Bills. It certainly wasn't as big of a blowout as their first time around when Tua got hurt, and then you had Jacoby Brissett in there. Um, and, and and Will Fuller coming around eventually, maybe. Yeah, eventually returning from injury reserve, too. Yeah, I don't know. It's Is he able to come back this week? Like, Do we know if that's, hey, revenge game narrative right against his, his former team in the Texans? I'm not positive. <laughs> no, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't If that changes so. my... Like my analysis, I would rather have Taysom Hill knowing he's going against the Falcons than Tua, even though the Texas defense has been so brutally bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for the record, Fuller's not going to practice this week. So so no okay. revenge game. So no revenge game narrative just yeah. yet. Maybe if they mm-hmm. meet in the playoffs in like some bizarro world, uh then mm-hmm. 
some, I, I don't know, like a Loki-esque yeah. alternate dimension. <laughs> exactly. All right. So you want to do quick hitters for the rest of the quarterbacks? Yeah, here? go ahead. Hit no, me there's not, there's not a whole lot here. Obviously Dak's coming back this week. That puts Cooper rush out of consideration. I say, obviously he's coming back. I'm talking about Jerry Jones quote this morning. I think, uh, that they seem pretty confident that Dak's going to be back in the mix uh, against the Packers on Thursday night, which feels like so long ago already after a long <laughs> Halloween weekend. Uh, we got Kyler Murray. He suffered a medial ankle sprain uh, versus the Packers, and he might be questionable this week. So, you know, Colt McCoy maybe gets in your late week to quarterback league radar. They're keeping Colt McCoy ready is what they say oh, here. And then, uh, of course, Sam Darnold had a concussion. We don't, I don't, I don't know his concussion history off the top of my head. I imagine with the Jets, you get concussions just because, but I'm not sure about that. Um, we'll see what happens with him. PJ Walker would be the backup, but he's probably like the bottom of my list here this week uh, because he's got the Patriots and the Patriots just made Justin yes. Herbert look bad and silly and, mm -hmm. and really, really ruined my fantasy week. If I could have got anything out of Herbert, man, I, I, I would have been four and one instead of one and four. But uh, again, that's what happens when you put all your eggs in one basket. And that is your quarterback grab bag for the week. Uh, uh, if Deshaun Watson gets traded today, I don't know. I've got my phone here sitting, you know, waiting for notifications on the RotoWire Fantasy News Center app for iPhone. You can turn on notifications for your top 100 players and for your custom league and watch list. So you get all your notifications there. That's what I'm looking at here off to the side. Okay. That's anyway, good. Yes. Yeah, so, so, like so my quarterback list too. and my plugs. Now we can go on to running backs. Okay. Let's move on to those running backs. Obviously, uh, we had talked a little bit last week, but uh, Salvin Ahmed, Kenny Gamewell, who just completely disappeared despite my very big need for him. Uh, thank God for Jordan Howard to make sure I get very frustrated on my fantasy Sunday. Michael Carter was pretty massive. And I think at this point, if he is available in your leagues is a top pickup, regardless, it's just a matter of, will he be there? I think he was close mm -hmm. to our 50%. Yeah. He was around 60% yeah. last week. It and was, I just, I threw him out there because of the snap distribution. Now he's up at 68%. So it's unlikely, but um, make it hundred percent. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. If you're listening to this podcast mm -hmm. and he's somehow available, make it hundred percent. I think he's a pretty clear yeah. cut running back two or flex. Yeah. The rest he's of not the even he's available not in my 10 team league that I just right. checked. Uh, Rachel must be listening to the show, but anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. carry on with, with Michael Carter. And if he's available, mm -hmm. go ahead and pick him up. The big news obviously has to be Derek Henry, who appears to have suffered, suffered a season ending injury in that win over the Colts. I thought he had like 20 more carries after breaking his foot, which is, Absurd to me and actually feels very Titan-esque from what I would have imagined. But here we go. Now it enters the scene where we talk about Jeremy, Mc, Jeremy McNichols and Adrian Peterson every single week. When that injury happened, I turned to some of my buddies in our group chat and said, I'm going to hate my job for the next three weeks because we are going to have to discuss Adrian Peterson and pretend like he's relevant for far too much. Like I know you do a lot of radio hits. I do as well too, Jake. I'm I'm not excited for answering the question literally every single time saying, no, I'm not picking up Adrian Peterson. Neither should you. He can't fill the Derrick Henry role. Nobody can, but certainly not a 34-year-old Adrian Peterson who hasn't played in 10 yeah. weeks. Yeah, so here's the thing. Now, when I first saw this story yesterday morning, I was thinking about it. You know, I'm, I'm trying to think, okay, what am I going to say on this show? And my first thought was, okay, let's just dump the rest of the fab money on Jeremy McNichols, right? You know, that's your easy yeah. one. He, he's the clear backup here. We weren't sure about the Adrian Peterson signing yet. Darrington Evans is on IR. Um, who, who else? Uh, Dontrell Hillard, if he's even active, is a special teamer here at best. Actually, he's not even on the on our depth chart. He's right a now. practice squad call-up guy. So I think he is oh, part of the team and yes. then just gets called right. every other week. Yeah. So right now, until, uh, you know, Peterson gets officially activated here, it's McNichols and Peterson. Now you look back at the history of McNichols here. I've seen nothing in his history to suggest that he's going to be an early down back. You know, that they didn't even, they didn't use him when he, uh, 
you know, when Henry went down, they just kept using Henry, which, you know, that's its own thing. But, you know, looking at his, he's been in the league since 2017, you know, bouncing around San Francisco, Indianapolis, Jacksonville, now two years with Tennessee. Um, and he has, um, now in these last couple of years with Tennessee, his career high was 47 carries in 2020. Now, granted, you know, you have Henry there pretty much the whole time, but he's pretty much been the pass catching back. Even this year, you know, he's been targeted 27 times, uh, ended up with 21 receptions for 203 yards and a score. Um, third down back, great. PPR guy, great. I don't, you know, I don't get excited about Adrian Peterson either, but Adrian Peterson is going to start these games and he's going to get first down and some second down carries here. So I don't think, you know, upon evaluating this a little bit further um, and, and, you know, they could always trade somebody while we're talking, right? Trade for somebody, acquire someone while we're talking right here or, you know, shortly after this show, after this live stream ends here. So McNichols, yes, he's the top fab pickup. 30% is fair, but somebody's going to dump the Derrick Henry owner is going to dump whatever they have left on him and, Listen, you know, I'd I'd be okay maybe not getting him, but uh, I just someone's going to overpay. That that always feels like it's the case. Is he the first waiver wire priority? If it's a PPR league, probably. I, I mean, I like what he can do in PPR, and you know, based on what we've seen. But to think that he's going to get thirty touches a game just because he's the next man up for Henry is is just it's just wrong. I think. So there's a couple of thoughts I have with this, and I guess I'll try to explain it as best I can in, in like an incremental step here. The Titans offense will not be able to function as well because they don't have their six foot four, 250 pound back who runs a four, four forty it, it, and gets 30 carries a game. I mean, literally they will not be able to do what they normally do. So if you're saying the 36, I was wrong, not 34, the 36 year old Adrian Peterson needs to go ahead and take 15 to 20 of those Derrick Henry carries by default, by definition, the Titans offense will not be as good. Adrian Peterson, despite his uh, advanced age, was still managing almost four yards to carry with the Lions last season. So kudos to him. I know he's a, a surefire Hall of Famer and everything else like that. Mm-hmm. You can't say Adrian Peterson will be able to replicate even 80% of what Derrick Henry does for that offense. So by default, if 60% Adrian... would be good. Okay, fine. Whatever. If, if Adrian Peterson is able to do 60%, maybe that does something. I don't, I don't believe he can be the Titans offense will stink. It's going to stink. And by default, Nick Nichols becomes a bigger priority when the def- or sorry, when the offense stinks. Like I think he's going to have mm-hmm. a bit more utility in a PPR perspective because they simply are going to struggle doing what they normally do. Mm-hmm. And by signing Adrian Peterson to the practice squad, to me, they're indicating we are going to still try to do what we were doing before. It's not going to work. And that's where I think Jeremy McNichols actually does make sense yeah. as a PPR perspective. Mm-hmm. You had mentioned 30% of the budget. That's what you're saying for McNichols. I'm going to say 35%. And I know that's going to be low. So, I mean, I still have, I still have faith in what he can do the rest of the year. And if you're running back desperate, like you lost Henry, I could see going more than that, especially if it's PPR, but I just, I feel like that's going to be too low. I'm not, you know, I'm not down on him by any means. I think he'll be a plenty fine pickup, you know, uh, 12, 15 point a week guy, even, you know, in a lot of weeks, especially, you know, if he's getting those targets as they're trying to come back from the hole that they dug themselves out of early in the game. I just think that I'm going to be low compared to the industry, even though I'm not that low on him as a player to start with. I think I'm willing to bet by the end of the day, if people are listening to this broadcast a little bit later on, everything we just mentioned about the Titans situation is going to be moot. I, I think they, they are the one team that makes sense to go ahead and go all in on a trade. I had I had tweeted kind of in jest, trade for Saquon Barkley. 
I really don't think that's that bad of a move. His contract's up. You get a compensatory pick when he signs elsewhere. That guy can fill the 80% of the Derrick Henry role much better than Adrian Peterson can. Mm-hmm. Let's go to a divisional rival like the Marlon Mack situation. Okay, Marlon yeah. Mack maybe goes to the Titans too. You're maybe paying a fourth or fifth round pick. I for feel like Marlon Mack is the one thing that could Do really they want to trade a division though? The most, I, and that's like, realistic, yeah. No, that's fair. You know, that that's... that. So you have to entice the Colts to go ahead and do that move into the division and more or less wave their hand and say, mm-hmm. we're not making the playoffs or six or seven seed. You want to swap AJ's AJ Dillon for AJ Brown? Oh yeah, that'd be great. But I mean, like <laughs> there, there just isn't many guys out there and, and the Titans should make a move for Barkley. They won't, but they should. If we are stuck with Adrian Peterson as your running back by the end of the Tuesday broadcast that you're listening to this, Jeremy McNichols is my top pickup this week. I just don't think that's going to happen. And I want to make sure we we stress that now as we're doing this mm-hmm. at 1043 Central Time AM, and we still have many, many hours yet to go before the end of the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. This situation should change. If there's one team in the NFL that's going to make a big move, it's the Titans. Yeah. There are a lot of other kind of fringe backs that you can go for. You know, if you're not quite ready to dump the whole budget on McNichols, you know, I've actually got a pretty big list this week of guys that have been overlooked or forgot about. And um, I guess we can just take that from the top here. Yeah, go ahead. Hit me with a few of these Okay, so the first one that came to mind that I wrote down was Carlos Hyde for the Jaguars. You know that Urban Meyer's got, you know, some some weird love for Hyde and and the Ohio State days or or whatever it is. Uh, Robinson... Went out of the game with a with a lower leg injury, ankle, foot, whatever. Um, it looks now, however, like he's day-to-day with this foot injury. So I think he probably escaped anything serious. I actually got offered DeAndre Hopkins for for uh, James Robinson in a league. Um, I think I turned that down. I think I turned that one down. You want to keep James Robinson? I think I do. I kind of want to keep Hopkins. But it was the Derrick Henry owner who's like, I'm in running back hell. I got to do something. Um, and I'm thinking, man, do I want DeAndre Hopkins on the best offense in the league? I don't know. Th- then I put myself in a bad running back situation because then I'd have Chubb and my RB2s like Singletary or someone bad. And I right. said, well, let's just wait for Fab and see if I can get McNichols. Then then we'll see. But um, a- anyway, that's besides the point. So, uh, you know, Hyde isn't as high on the list as we originally thought. We have to talk about the Eagles here. Boston Scott, Jordan Howard. Um, what a mess. I mean, what a mess. <laughs> this is i was just appalled by this whole situation now granted kenneth gainwell um had his highest carry total of the entire season and he actually had more carries than anyone else in the backfield he had 13 boston scott had 12 jordan howard had 12 but scott and howard scored two touchdowns apiece and um scott was the only one to be targeted period because um they didn't throw the ball. It was a 44 to six blowout. I right. mean, it was, it was the lions. It was a mess. I'm sure you guys have seen that meme going around of, you know, what a shame that they would, I can't believe they would put this in a kid's Halloween basket. It just shows just, the lions, tickets, the lions, yeah. tickets in a pair of can, you know, that that's probably gone around, you know, up here in Wisconsin more than not, but anyway, uh, you know, okay. Verbal memes, you know, that's not good radio. Let, let's move on here. Um, real big bummer. I mean, Gainwell actually had, the per- the highest touch share percentage out of the entire backfield. But the infuriating part was that he didn't play at all in the first or the third quarter. And uh, he was just one carry and six snaps before the fourth quarter. So that worries me a little bit. Um, if you're going to pick up anyone from this backfield uh, and, pro- and expect the production to be moderate, at least sustainable, I think it's Boston Scott because he started 
and he got some of the goal line carries. You know, I don't think Jordan Howard will cut into that that much. And Boston Scott also 44.6% of the snaps compared to 30.8% for Gainwell and 24.6% for Howard. So Scott's on the field more. He's a shade behind, uh, you know, the touch leader. But, you know, if they're throwing Gainwell out there in the fourth quarter when the game's a blowout, um, you know, that doesn't instill confidence either. So I think Scott's the guy to own until Sanders comes back. But, man, this offense is really, really messy. Yeah, and this is important to note that Miles Sanders was placed on injured reserve Saturday, which means he's going to be out at least the next three weeks. It's the same reason why Daryl Williams was a, a top pickup for us. It was the same reason that we were recommending both Khalil Herbert and Damian Williams because mm-hmm. we knew the David Montgomery situation was going to be a long-term deal. It's- Damian Williams a cut now, by the way. I put him on my cut list in okay. case we don't get uh, that's to That's yep. good, good to mention that one as well, too. I I think that's a really clear situation. So if I have Kenny Gamewell and I'm, I'm listening to this podcast would you recommend dropping him for Boston Scott or keep game well and also try to get Boston Scott? It feels really wrong to roster two of these Eagles backs, but we are in this position right now with all the injuries going on that maybe you can make that work. Yeah. So here's, I, I got a relatable situation to this and, and I'll tell you how I'm going to play with it. I drafted Miles Sanders at, at a bargain. It was like a sixth or seventh round yeah, pick yeah. In, a, in a two quarterback league or something. So I got him at a bargain. I ended up taking Gainwell later and I kept Gainwell around. And eventually I cut Gainwell, you know, in, I think, during Bipocalypse, right? And then I picked him back up for 3% of my fab a week or two ago because it was a 10-team league, not a ton of, you know, demand out there for him. You know, after Sanders got hurt, of course, I started and flexed Gainwell this week. And now I'm out here thinking I'm going to drop Gainwell for um, either to get a, a second quarterback here, or something like that, or, or McNichols if I've, I think I've got the fab budget to be able to get him. So, but I'm not, I don't think I'd drop gain well for Boston Scott directly because I don't know this Eagles defense is bad I think this uh, blowout is a little bit of a mirage I think they'll be playing more catch-up and the game flow will be more favorable towards gain well you know down the stretch here of course that's tough to say after the week that he had um, I don't really think you can trust starting any of them to be honest for now I will it's, it's like tough. I, I'll, I'll interrupt you here only because this upcoming week the Eagles face the Chargers this should be a get-right game for that Chargers offense, in my opinion. They've had two bad ones with the Patriots and Ravens. This should be good for Herbert and company. So your five teams, you should feel confident in that. The Chargers defense cannot stop the run. This has been an ongoing issue the last three mm-hmm. years, and I thought it was really evident. And one of the reasons why Herbert struggled as much as he did mm-hmm. last last week, because Damian Harris and company, the Patriots, were able to just sit on the ball the entire time, and it drastically affected their rhythm. I think the Eagles... Maybe not so much Jordan Howard, although he's going to get work. I think Boston Scott actually could be a start this week, knowing how bad that Chargers run defense is, because Scott can also be a pass catcher if and when they choose to go that route. Gainwell should be able to, but for Mm -hmm. the reason the Eagles aren't using him in that way. So I actually like Boston Scott as a flex pickup if you need to go that direction. Yeah. Okay. I can buy that. Yeah. I mean, the Chargers are 30th against opposing running backs in as far as the 30th fewest, which means giving up the third most points allowed to opposing running backs in standard formats here the schedule after that they got the broncos and the saints that's tough but then after that you know it's all 20 it's all bottom third teams of the league through uh through week 17 through the end of the fantasy playoffs so there will be a successful eagles running back down the stretch here but you know i'm not going to pretend to guess who just yet yeah uh any other quick hitters that you want to kind of mention here from the running back position yeah yeah we got a handful uh you know jeff wilson alert he's going to be coming off i think he's designated to return so he's coming back and elijah mitchell's kind of ha- is, is going to be limited in practice this week with a rib injury so you definitely want to think of that um again i don't know how much you want the saints offense now you know with hill at the helm 
but Mark Ingram is only 37% rostered, and he pretty much had a role throughout Sunday's yeah. game. You know, it was the primetime game on Fox. I'm sure a lot of people saw that. Ingram was getting targeted. He was getting plenty of carries. I think that's that's actually, even as a Kamara owner, that I'm a little disappointed in that, but, you know, if they keep feeding the ball to Kamara like he's Derrick Henry, he's going to end up like Derrick Henry. So I'd rather have him, uh, you know, active throughout the entirety of the season here. So he's one that, you know, I threw on the list. Um, we forget about the Ravens' backfield because um, they were on a bye last week. But I want a quick uh, – let's see here, Ravens. Um, I got the thing up right here. Yes. So, so, okay, so, you know, it's between, you know, Latavius Murray and Devontae Freeman. Pretty gross. Latavius Murray has an ankle injury. We'll see if he's able to return after the bye. If not, I think Devontae Freeman is the pickup here because Freeman, in the game before the bye, he started, got both the goal line carries, and uh, and got almost 40% of the snap share to lead – uh, the entire thing and got more targets. So, you know, touch share, snap share, target share, you know, all of these things uh, are in Freeman. So Freeman would be the guy to own if Murray doesn't play. I'll, I'll say that right there. And then, you know, some quick hitters, um, you know, if we don't believe Christian McCaffrey's coming back soon, Amir Abdullah cut into the workload a little bit. So that's interesting. If you're in a deep league, uh, Jared Patterson, pretty much for the, for uh, the Washington football team, he got the same amount of, uh, very similar in touches and carries as uh, Antonio Gibson here. So that'll be one worth watching for really deeper leagues. The one thing you can't really talk me into is Rex Burkhead and the Texans. I just don't want any piece of the Texans. I, you know, I, I, once the Ingram trade happened last week, of course, this was after our show, I put a 12% bid down on David Johnson and started him and was sorely disappointed. There's still some hope for that when Terod Taylor comes back. But, you know, it, it's just a mess there. Is there any any of those guys that I mentioned that, that you're with me on or you want to elaborate on it all? Yeah, so I guess I'd rank it this way again. If the Titans do not make any move, Jeremy McNichols is my top overall pickup this week and certainly at running back. Afterwards, I do have interest in Boston Scott as a, as yep. a pickup and start this Boston. week. From that point, though, it's, it's really disgusting. I have no interest in Carlos Hyde in 12-team or lower formats. I think Robinson will be playing and will have the majority of the workload. If he gets injured, fine. Do you really want to have a backup in an offense that's one of the bottom third in the leagues? Not of interest to me necessarily. I think Latavius Murray does play. If Murray was going to be out this week, they would have just put him on injury reserve two weeks ago when this injury occurred. So by default, Murray will cut into Freeman's workload. I don't want Murray or Freeman really playing or using. I have to in the NFFC as a, as like a, a bench option for Freeman, but I'm not excited about it. So uh, Ingram probably is my next pickup overall. And I think he has utility the rest of the season. Not not a valuable enough situation where I'm wasting top waiver wear claim on him or really putting any more than five to eight percent of my free agent budget in. But I think that does get Ingram if you do want to go that direction. Mm-hmm. I think CMC is coming back either this week or next week, so not don't care about Amir yeah. Abdullah. And Jarrett Patterson is interesting if Antonio Gibson goes down. Washington's also not a good uh, offense though, and they still have their bye week to work with. Which the bye week is this week. Should give it should give Gibson some more health, you know, like or yeah. some time to heal. I mean, he's playing with a broken true. shin and you know some Ooh, other junk, so I, yeah, that's gonna be rough. Someone mentioned Scotty Phillips in chat. Uh, you know, another Texans guy had 15 snaps. I mean, 
you'd have to be in a 20 team league for me to consider picking him up off the waiver wire. I just, I, I don't see a whole lot there. Yeah. I, I'm surprised we're talking about a 15 snap guy is somebody that's interesting for mm-hmm. a 15 snap or... guy for the Texans. No less. Yeah, I think okay. honestly, I still think David, if you have to, if you have to take a piece of the Texans backfield, it's still got to be David Johnson. And I think there'll be improvement when there's more reasonable game flow and Terod Taylor's back. So here let's, let's, I think the, the process for this is, and, and I think it's worthy to play it out. Let's say the Texans do trade David Johnson or Phil Lindsay or both. Then you have Rex Burkhead and Scotty Phillips as your one and two on a team that doesn't care and probably is fine utilizing some of their younger players. Would you have interest in picking up Scotty Phillips then? If they trade both of their lead guys, which, yeah, I suppose they would do that. That's a Texans I mean, the, there was a tweet earlier that they're they are listing to offers on both. Mm-hmm. That would imply people have sent in offers. I think that might be a lie, yeah. but... That would be that would be the scenario where Scotty Phillips has some fancy value. Listen, we really got to do some mental gymnastics to make this scenario work, right? You know, so I guess yeah, if you you know if every single one of these dominoes falls, then sure. But you know, I'm a little, I don't know, I'm not that excited about it on Tuesday. But again, that could change by Thursday, so we'll see. Okay, all right. I, I just want to make sure. So um, you mentioned Damian Williams as a cut. Uh, any other guys that you're thinking you're just completely done with at this point? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, uh, basically any Houston running back, right? <laughs> except, you know, right. except I said maybe with it with David Johnson. Um, Joshua Kelly was a healthy scratch for the Chargers, I believe. So, uh, you know, if you were rostering him, thinking he'd be a backup, and then you know, we have to think about Singletary again. It's it's just it's not been good, and uh, the the Bills surprisingly are just you know they're not running the ball a whole lot. You know, they got. Technically, Singletary out outrushed Moss, but you know what does that get you? A three point fantasy day, and he's not getting any of the targets. And it's uh, Singletary's five consecutive games with single digit PPR points and less than fifty percent of the snaps. That's what Jerry points out in his article. I mean, some shallow to medium depth leagues. I think uh, there's a case to be made for cotton bait there. All right, before we move on to the wide receivers, let's get a word from our sponsors, Yahoo. The new NFL season's finally here, and it's already started, and Yahoo's excited to continue on with their daily fantasy football. There'll be a ton of big prize contests throughout the season on Yahoo, including their multi-entry contest now being shark-free. To celebrate the start of the Yahoo daily fantasy football season and continuation of becoming shark-free, Yahoo is giving all users the opportunity to claim free $10 in contest entry credit. Users can take advantage of this free $10 contest entry credit offer to join one of Yahoo's biggest contests. In addition to the free credit, Yahoo has a $1 million DFS football contest live each and every week. The $1 million contest features $1 million, obviously, in total prizes, including first place receiving $100,000 and an entry to the first ever Yahoo Fantasy Football Championship live finals event, which will occur at the MGM National Harbor. National Harbor in Maryland this December. Play Daily Fantasy Football on Yahoo this season. Visit sports.yahoo.com slash daily fantasy slash welcome to claim the free $10 offer and get started. Okay, last week, wide receivers, we had discussed Randall Cobb. We correctly called that one, even though the two Mm -hmm. uh, passing touchdowns really covered the majority of his his workload. Still, I'll pat myself on the back. Russell Gage uh, has some fantasy prominence now with Kelvin Ridley possibly done for a while, uh, tending to his mental health issues. Michael Gallup did not play against the Vikings, but certainly seems to be on the rise. Uh, but yeah, those guys, great. I think we have to kind of circle our way back to Russell Gage and company now with Calvin Ridley out, though. Yeah, so Russell Gage, that's a very interesting uh, situation we have here. Um, dang it, I do not I do not have wide receiver snap counts for Atlanta for whatever reason. We're going to have to see what our tech team's doing against that. But I believe Gage was out there. Listen, I'm going to try to do this from memory. He was out there uh, for 36 snaps. 
and was targeted zero times in that game. Meanwhile, Tajay Sharp was out there, and he tied for a team high with six targets. Now, granted, with Ridley out, this team's wide receiver one is Kyle Pitts, I think, even though he had a pretty disappointing game. He is the really only guy you can really trust in a jump ball situation down on the sidelines or you know wherever on the field or move the chains. So, um, you know, with, with him aside, obviously playing tight end, Gage still interests me you know he interests me more than someone like Olamide Zacchaeus or or something like that but uh, the Tajay Sharp thing um that got to me a little bit made me think maybe Gage isn't 100% healthy but uh both these guys are viable emergency start options here if you find yourself hampered by bye weeks this week is Tajay is is Tajay Tajay Sharp's numbers like Hunter Renfro PPR stats I mean that's kind of like our baseline every single week he'll get you the Hunter Renfro numbers Mm-hmm. I, I think Sharp could be in a full point PPR league, but I'm also not going to be aggressively targeting exactly. a Hunter Renfro numbers. So I I have Hunter Renfro in stake league, and that's always the one that I I use to uh, to to make this gauge. I I will not yeah. be dropping Hunter Renfro for Tajay Sharp. Okay, I will drop Hunter Renfro for Devontae Parker, who is yes. bizarrely uh, rostered in only 35 percent of Yahoo leagues right now. I can tell you for certain, I was fine sitting out the three or four weeks that he was injured, and maybe the media attention on Tua struggling as a quarterback had something to do with it. But Devontae Parker returns. Lo and behold, Tua looks okay as a quarterback. And more importantly, he immediately became the number one option again, even though Jalen Waddle was around and effective enough for the Dolphins. I love Devontae Parker given his skill set. And while he does, for whatever the reason, like oddly own the Bills each and every year, I think he is still a very capable wide receiver three for most fantasy formats, even 10 teams and less. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm with you there. I almost left off Devontae Parker, but then I saw him on some lists out there and I looked and sure enough, only 35% rostered. I mean, this is a guy who was, uh, you know, a mid-round pick at one point. He's always had plenty of hype. He's a good player. I believe that. And, uh, and you know, now he's starting to get his, his uh, you know, his shot is continuing and uh, he's finally at a place where he seems to be settling in. He's getting plenty of volume there. He, he, he outplayed Waddle for sure this week. So, um, yeah, I would say he's the top. It would be tough between him and Gallup if you know Gallup gets cleared. Because, uh, but I'll gladly take Parker. I'll, I'll yeah, I'll gladly take Parker in that instance because Gallup has to share the field with so many other guys who now have gotten a bit more of a rapport mm-hmm. with Dak Prescott and that offense. Whereas Devontae Parker, it was clear the need was necessary from that Dolphins offense. Mm-hmm. I, I think Parker so long as he's healthy, is is certainly a top pickup. Yeah, and the other thing, this Miami thing, this is what I was looking up while you were doing your thing. It's basically their base offense is a two-wide receiver set. Devontae Parker was on the field for 90.6% of snaps, yep. Waddle for 93.8%, and the only other uh, receiver, Isaiah Ford, a little more than 10%. I mean, with Will Fuller not practicing another week, we're looking for big volume weeks for Parker and Waddle. And, you know, if you give me Parker and Waddle head-to-head, yeah, Waddle might have the better career, but right now Parker's the better player. So, uh, you know, I, I can get with you there. It, he's a guy that you can pick up and start now and be confident about uh, long-term. We had a question in the chat about Darnell Mooney as a top pickup as well. He had six catches for 56 yards. I'm sorry, six catches for 64 yards in that uh, loss to the Niners. Obviously, Justin Fields did some things from a running perspective. I thought he actually looked pretty good as a quarterback overall, too. And Mooney's had some success. He had the five-catch game against the Packers a couple weeks ago uh, and obviously had an insane game against the Lions earlier this season. I I feel like Justin Fields kind of limits the upside, but Mooney is – a known commodity, I think, as well. And if Allen Robinson retraded, is going to be for sure a guy that is a workhorse wide receiver in an offense that doesn't use 
their wide receivers very much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's. I mean, he is the one wide receiver worth rostering in that offense here. You know, I, I don't need to talk about my cut Allen Robinson rant again. Maybe he'll get traded and, and yes, save that's his the hope. I think. Season. But yeah, no, Mooney's con- cons- consistently. I don't, well, I mean, Cole Komet is maybe the top receiver in that offense, but Mooney is consistently outproducing and outsnapping the west, rest of the wide receivers in that offense. Um, he's a fine pickup, but only 42% rostered. I'd still rather have Parker, who is less rostered. Okay. I had just saw my my Twitter pop up with 32 different notifications. I'm like, oh, no. Who got traded? Who Who is it? But uh, nobody of note right now. There was like a small trade that Rappaport reported uh, regarding, I don't even know this guy the, te- the Texans are trading young pass rusher Charles Amueno to the Niners for late round draft picks so okay great thanks uh Rappaport I'm, I'm glad you are on that one uh overall mm-hmm. so let's continue on with the wide receivers we had discussed Parker uh Russell Gage and uh Tajay Sharp Debo Samuel did have a bit of an injury with his calf seven targets for Mr. Brandon Ayuk who somehow like how is he rostered in 51% of leagues but Parker's at 35%. I whoever's yeah. playing in those leagues is is failing themselves mm-hmm. and that's that's fine. I think I think pre-draft rankings for inactive leagues is the reason that you can okay. that that he's more active. All right. Uh anyway, Ayuk kind of had a bit of an emergence but Debo Samuel obviously was insane as well mm-hmm. in that win over the Niners. I'm still not comfortable rostering uh rostering Ayuk given that Niners offense. I guess if Samuel's out by default. Ike will have to get an opportunity. And honestly, what we saw last year, once he gets a chance to get out of Kyle Shanahan's bandway or bandwagon uh, out of the doghouse, he should be able to. He's got enough talent. It's just a matter of will that opportunity ever occur. And they they like him in the red zone now. He's caught. I've in the, some of the 49er games I've seen. You know, oh, granted a lot of it's on red zone, but they do go to him in the red zone sometimes. And you know, it hasn't always been you know great passes or or he he has to make acrobatic efforts or it's well defended, but. He's someone they go to in the red zone, but the only other side of that is Kittle's going to have his practice window open, and he's definitely going to eat up some target share on that team. So that makes me a little bit hesitant, but I don't know. I'm a fan of you know evaluating your roster from top to bottom every week, and if there's dead weight on your roster and Ayuk is out there, there's is he still? I think he's someone that has potential to grow, you know, and and is better than most dead weight. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, Jalen Rager had to be carted off in that dominating win over the Lions with an ankle injury. Um, I don't know. Quiz Watkins is a guy that I picked up in a few deeper leagues because he was getting a few targets. Maybe he ends up being a guy that can get the Hunter Renfro numbers. What do you think? Um, yeah, again, not going to drop Renfro fro for Quez Watkins. I need to we need to pick a, a baseline that's easier to say here. But uh, <laughs> the interesting part is Quez outsnapped everybody in that game. You know, eighty eight point seven percent compared to sixty six point one for Devonta and forty eight point four percent for Greg Ward. I see. I think Watkins was out there on the field anyway in a lot of three wide receiver sets. He's been over fifty percent snap share in every game since week one. So he's out there already. Greg Ward maybe takes a little bit of a bump up, but I'm not necessarily rushing to get Greg Ward. I think Quez Watkins is the receiver to roster in that Philadelphia offense with if Rager has to miss time. And then real quick, we had Van Jefferson, who could see an emergency if Deshaun Jackson uh, gets straight, had three catches for 88 yards. And then we also had Cedric Wilson have a pretty good game with Cooper mm-hmm. Rush. Um, Cedric Wilson's been inconsistent, I think, at times, and oh, certainly yeah. a, a boomer bust. He's the perfect best ball wide receiver that you were drafting around 20 years later. He is my mental note to use in showdowns if the Cowboys have to start Cooper Rush again. That's about it. <laughs> I mean, like, Wilson had a couple of games with Prescott, too, where he had some utilities, so it's not just mm-hmm. the Cooper Rush, Rush show. But either way, 
I don't really care about Van Jefferson at all. I think he's way too boomer bust. And Wilson's even worse of a boomer bust candidate as well, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely fair enough. And especially with Gallup coming back, you know. Um, But, you know, the encouraging part is there were three three Rams receivers, 83% or more in snap count, and Van Jefferson was definitely one of them. He was on the field for 95% of snaps. It seems like they're using less two tight end and more three receiver sets here in the offense, and that means Jefferson's out there. So, you know, it's a high-powered offense with uh, the number one receiver in the league in Cooper Cup, who commands a lot of attention here. Um, you know, he's rosterable. You know, he's better than a guy sitting on IR occupying your bench spot. Yeah, uh, I agree with you. Let's get a word from our sponsors, Thrive Fantasy. Thrive is back for another season of Fantasy Bowl, and they're running huge guaranteed contests each and every week. With Thrive Fantasy, you can eliminate the countless hours of research and focus on the only the top-tier athletes that have the biggest impact on the game. Sign up today and get a free six-month RotoWire subscription. Well, here's how you claim... That subscription, you go to uh, rotowire.com slash thrive, deposit a minimum of $10 and receive 100% deposit bonus back up to 100. Then you play in your first paid contest and boom, you get to receive a free six month Rotowire subscription. Again, go to rotowire.com slash thrive, deposit a minimum of $10 and receive 100% deposit bonus back up to $100. And then you play in your first paid contest and receive that free six month Rotowire subscription. Let's also get a word from our sponsors, Bluewire. This Rotowire podcast is brought to you by my favorite meal kit, Factor. I gave Factor a try, and I can tell you firsthand, eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every meal arrives fresh, not frozen, and they're chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. Every week, you'll have over 35 different options to choose from, and there's something for every diet, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. And there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. So what are you waiting for? Get started today and get after those wellness goals. One of my favorite things about Factor is the convenience. We're talking meals that are good to go in two minutes or less. You can fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat wherever you are. There's no prep, there's no mess, no cooking, no cleanup, none of that. It's perfect if you have a busy lifestyle and you can't dedicate an hour-plus each day to preparing lunch or preparing dinner. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Factor also offers options for every meal. Pancakes, smoothies, you name it. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, dinner, whatever you need, Factor has it. Factor is also tailored to your schedule, so you can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals each week. Plus, you could pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. We've done the math. We've run the numbers over here. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be both nutritious and delicious. Head over to factormeals.com slash rotowire50 and use the code rotowire50. That'll get you 50% off your order. That's code rotowire50 at factormeals.com slash rotowire50 to get 50% off today. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, we're back. We're talking tight ends right now. And honestly, Jake, there was a bit of breaking news, or I guess from a tweeting perspective, we had Jeremy Fowler of ESPN report. The Packers are actively searching their options for different tight ends. We had talked about DeGuara last week with Robert Tunyon out. Tunyon now obviously on injured reserve. The Packers are reportedly sniffing around Evan Ingram uh, and a few other guys. I was curious like, if DeGuara was going to be a pickup at all for you this week, and if the Packers were to say let's trade for Evan Ingram, who's possibly rostered under 50% of Yahoo leagues. Would that be enticing to you at all? Yeah, so that's a tough one. I mean, Mercedes Lewis will be primarily a blocker with the occasional target here and there. I don't see his role changing. It's DeGuara that if they don't trade for someone, that would be the guy. But on Thursday night, he didn't really he didn't really know the playbook. It seems like they tried to put him in some Tanyan situations, and he was confused and lining up in wrong places. Um, I'm sure, obviously, with a week of prep, to be that guy, you can get it figured out. But uh, that was a little bit concerning. Um, but if you do have to pick a Packers tight end, I think he would be it. And then, yeah, like you said, uh, you link this tweet here, Jeremy Fowler at ESPN, throwing out some options there. Evan Ingram's obviously expensive. The Giants would have to eat a lot of that contract. So the Packers don't get into cap trouble. Hayden Hurst, Jordan Akins, Jacob Hollister. I mean, you know, I'm sure Rodgers would be appreciative if they went out and got somebody. So, um, you know, maybe that's enough to keep me off making a bid on Deguera. You know, we'll we'll wait. We'll wait this deadline out here and see what happens. And, you know, then maybe you can pick him up for nothing afterwards. But the big tight end, the star of the show here that I want to talk about, um, his ownership is low because they are entering a buy. But I was very, very surprised to see Logan Thomas is only 51% yes. rostered on Yahoo. I think if you want to get him for a reasonable price, you need to go ahead and get him now. And um, he's a tight end that you could actually just leave as your starter the rest of the season because, yep. you know, there's a chance that he's back after the bye here. There's a chance that Fitzmagic comes back after the bye and we kind of get it going. I mean, um, he's during uh, yesterday's practice, Thomas was uh, – he was working out on the side individual. So it doesn't mean he's ready for a full return here. He's already spent the three-game minimal on the injured reserve. So he could could be eligible Sunday against Denver. But uh, Rivera doesn't seem optimistic yet. I'm basically reading the player note at this point. Uh, he's week to week. But but he's a guy that um, you know could come back after the bye and actually make a huge difference maker. I think he steps in and starts over Ricky Seals-Jones right away. Immediately, yeah. And, um, and, and he, become. I mean, they paid him all that money, right? So he's, he's unquestionably the guy that's going to get the targets and, and be the impactful performer there. So that's the first name you're looking for. Logan Thomas, 51% rostered. Um, I do think we need to come back to your boy, Dan Arnold, who had 10 targets against Seattle last, uh, this week. Do you feel vindicated? Vindicated? I don't know. I, I, I've been confidently using him as a flex ish in my deep NFFFC league. And it's been okay. I mean, like I've been happy enough that, Jaguars offense is just miserably bad and a miserably a bad offense would feature Dan Arnold. So like that, the, those two and two make complete sense to me. They went out and acquired him as well too. And I thought that was clear that urban Meyer got, you know, the love for, for the, the Arnold, the Arnold later. Uh, I don't know. I, I think Dan Arnold is certainly a worthy pickup. I was interested actually. Uh, I had a friend text me pretty much before kickoff, Pat Froyamoth, I'm saying that name probably incorrectly. Friermuth. <laughs> Friermuth, thank you. The second round pick for the the Steelers with Eric Ebron out, would he do well? And actually, Friermuth got the touchdown catch. It was a great play, obviously, uh, and kind of salvaged his fantasy day. It was either Friermuth or Dan Arnold. I liked Friermuth with Ebron out, and I wonder if Ebron is out again. 
is Fryermuth a guy that maybe sneaks into your bottom uh, 12 tight ends in a 12 team league that you maybe play? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, sure, absolutely. I included him on the list. I like him. He is on the field for more snaps, the third most snaps among pass catchers there for the Steelers. So after Johnson and Claypool, um, you know, and, and Najee Harris, I guess he's seen the field more than James Washington. He's running routes. Um, no, I'm fine with that. You know, Big Ben has always liked a tight end, right? And and he's somebody that, uh, yeah, could absolutely continue to play well with Ebron out. So, but I think it might be limited to Ebron being out here. Dan Arnold, on the other hand, if he sees this type of target volume, um, you know, he could be consistent on a week to week basis here. So, those are the two guys I'm looking at if nothing shakes out with the Packers and Logan Thomas is unavailable. Yeah, I, I think that's a great breakdown. Real quick, let's get to the defenses. Uh, we had featured the Bengals. Not a great choice. Obviously, the Chargers, not a great choice. Hey, the Seahawks at least did something as well, too, uh, this past week. Now we have the Saints defense at 47% roster right now. Just mm-hmm. had that pick six against Tom Brady, uh, which won them the game. Obviously, looked pretty good. They have been a decent defense, not from a fantasy perspective at times, but they're mm-hmm. 40, 47% rostered against Matt Ryan, who'll be missing Kelvin Ridley. Obviously, you have the Chargers against that Eagles offense, which is still using Jordan Howard. I don't know. I'm not sure about that. I I think it's the Dolphins as well, too, against the Texans at 13% rostered. But we know how bad the Dolphins have been just overall as a team. And it's possible Tyrod Taylor, Davis Mills, has the Texans offense kind of churning a little bit more. Yeah, well, we can't pick on the Lions because they're on a buy. So, of course, we go to the Texans to pick on. Miami at 13% rostered in Yahoo formats will be will be just fine. I still think you have to go to New Orleans because this is a you know a defense that is getting better. They are extremely difficult, if not impossible, to run up the middle on. And, uh, you know, 47% rostered, that's fine. Uh, so, sure. I mean, you, you go with New Orleans as the one to pick up and hope, you know, maybe get some more starts out of rest of season. Um, but, you know, the Chargers, after that, you're looking at, uh, you know, some defenses that can maybe create turnovers. So you're thinking maybe Hertz will turn the ball over or, or one of these, you know, new Philly players that has to be inserted in this offense to turn the ball over. Same thing, you know, looking the other way in that Saints Falcons game, I'm not necessarily advocating you pick up Atlanta, but if, uh, but if Hill's not good to go and it's Trevor Simeon starting, I mean, you can do worse than Atlanta for sure. So that's kind of what I have there for streaming defenses. Okay. Fair enough. I don't really have any others. I, I will be going out and getting the dolphins, in leagues where I am doing that. Uh, mm-hmm. And I don't feel great about it. that's, that's kind of my, yeah. my assessment overall. And For that's sure. what the streaming week is with those four teams I'm by at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's hit a couple of these chats before we, uh, um, I just want to acknowledge some of them, you know, because I, because I thank everybody for, for jumping in Danny Wallace. I don't understand your question. Get us, get at us on Twitter and uh, maybe we can help you out. JB fantasy sports or at Roto Jake. Uh, yeah. And yeah. Derek Gore, we discussed in the beginning of the show, but you know, long story short, uh, he did not make our top three running back pickups. this. Yeah. Week. And I, I empathize with Mirren, Mirren kid who had Derek Henry uh, for the first time when it feels like forever. And of course he gets hurt. I just want to f- say it, it just felt, felt like we were due for this kind of letdown uh, in the NFL season with all the other injuries that have been piling up at the running back position. Right. 30 seconds. We redraft today. Who's number one pick. I'm still taking Delvin cook. It's, yeah. Probably Delvin cook. Someone's going to say Cooper cup. And I, I don't know if that's wrong. Honestly, I, I still think it's, wrong. you know, the zero RB crowd will get me, but I think it's either cook Kamara Taylor or Najee Harris. It's one of those four with yeah. mixed in there. Yeah. And you know, Najee Harris is getting all the volume, even though the offense has been ineffective. I like, I don't think he's looked as good as people thought he would, but Yet he's getting so much workload, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I, I think Cooper Cup makes a really legitimate case given his performances, and he certainly has had some major highs. I think this week 
he probably won you games. If he gets 30 points a week. He's glorious. I love him. Yes. Yeah. All right. That does it for us on the Tuesday edition of the Rotoware NFL podcast, the waiver wire, and at least today, the trade deadline version as well, too. Kind of mundane. I was hoping we'd have more trade deadline news as the podcast went on. Stay tuned to our Twitter accounts because we will try to recap any waiver wire moves that might be necessary for your teams based off of trades that may or may not occur. You mentioned at the top of the broadcast, though, trade deadline for the NFL is normally a little bit mm-hmm. uh, lesser than the other sports. And uh, I think we saw that come to fruition today. So yeah, thanks once, everyone for once a decade, we get a full moon, but, but normally not, I didn't mean to interrupt your sign off there. Go ahead. And, That's and, okay. Wrap, I was just going to say, and wrap us up, bring us home. Yeah. Th- thanks everyone for listening and uh, best of luck for your week nine fantasy football lineups.